The accounts shared on this podcast, including this episode, reflect the guest's thoughtful recollections and opinions of experiences perceived and occurring over many years, including childhood memories, which may be fallible and limited by perspective and trauma. Persons may have different memories regarding certain events. So I, I remember just walking up to that porch and uh, there were, so I mean, you'd have to have an arc welder who, who takes 10 dimes and, and welds them together. So you have this looks like a, a ruler that's just all dimes that are just like glued together, but they're not glued together. They're actually welded together. So you have these 10 dimes that are side by side, making up, you know, a, a, a four or five inch strand of dimes. So I see that. I see some of the, I see what's obviously stains. And I knew those stains hadn't been there. Or maybe this whole feeling that I've been having, it's just saying this is just too weird. Mm-hmm. And I remember the screen door, being able to turn it and open, uh, and then trying to do the, the door handle to come on in, and it was locked. So I closed it. And so then I just went to the, around the, the garage that mm-hmm. was facing, that was attached to the house mm-hmm. that had been turned into a room and going through that gate and then following it back around to the back of the other garage. And that's when Mr. Kirkland was, mm-hmm. Mr. Kirkland, who was our next door neighbor, great man. Uh, I, I tried the back doors first. There, there was no getting in. And what was weird, I remember that the, the drapes on the sliding glass door, I could see in to that very informal living room that you and I had fled from. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't see around. I couldn't see anything else. And uh, just enough daylight coming through the front window so you could see inside. And that's when I walked back around and Mr. Kirkham just told me, he asked me, Mike, what are you doing here? I said, man, I just got in. I've been, I've been on a trip with my best friend. And he said, well, you need to go back where you came from. So now I just go back the way I came. That 13-year-old boy walked a mile back from where he came, not knowing whose blood spatter covered his porch or what those dimes meant. He was the middle of three boys, who had experienced more in their short lives than most ever do. And now this. Their family was not always so troubled. It started out like a storybook with high school classmates who took a liking to one another. Kenneth was the third of five siblings. He loved to read and would stay up reading until there was no fire left in the fireplace. He was a good student and even skipped a grade according to his sister. He was tall, thin, handsome, and friendly. Joy was a lively child who had four siblings. Her mother struggled with depression. Her older sister remembers that when their mom went to have her fifth baby, she warned her kids that she was likely to not make it through this delivery, and she didn't. So, the siblings left without a mother struggled, and their dad eventually remarried. Joy always said that her stepmother was mean to her. 
Joy, with her black hair and shining blue eyes, was a very smart young lady and could solve any problem. One day she missed the bus, and she drove herself to school, although she was way too young to drive. This ability to keep moving forward would serve her well in life. Yeah, um, um, yeah, that, that's where they met. Dad was FFA, she was whatever, and that's the point where they fell in love. And uh-huh. Dad decided he was going to drop out of Detroit High School and go and make a, a living in order that he could get his bride-to-be to come down. And live. As a matter of fact, I think they got married in high school. I mean, Mom was still in high school when she got married. Okay. Dad had already dropped out. Mom did her senior year and got her diploma. Okay. And then Dad was going to make a life for them where he could find work in, in Dallas. He went to South Oak Cliff oh. and started working there. I believe his mom and dad, our grandparents, owned a ba- didn't own the bakery. They worked in the bakery. Okay. Um, but um, I think Dad, after that, started just got a normal job at East Texas Motor Freight. Okay. He worked on the docks driving a forklift, and he got promoted to being like the uh, the foreman okay. on the night shift to make sure all the trucks were getting loaded and all that stuff. And it was it was cool. The couple settled down in Mesquite, Texas, a suburb of Dallas. First, they lived in a house on the street called Desco, where they had their firstborn son, Ken. I think my older brother Ken uh, was born on Desco which was a, 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 a home in far south Mesquite. Okay. It was in what we call Old Mesquite. Okay. If, if you were from there, you went. You were a Mesquite skeeter. You went to Mesquite High School. Okay. Uh, that's where this house was located. It was called the Desco Home because it was on Desco. Okay. Uh, I was born there, me and Ken both, but I don't really ever remember anything about it. Okay. I was too young. Hula was a home that we had in North Mesquite. Mom and Dad had moved on the other side of Mesquite. Uh, It was probably a little 1,200-square-foot home. It was on a street called Hula. Okay. So we just call it the Hula House. They had brought two other sons into their family, Mike and then Richard. The home on Hula was a new house that they filled with new things, and they had a new car. Things were looking good for this family. When they brought Richard home from... uh, from the hospital as an infant. And so how old were you? Well, that's a good question. I think I was about five. Okay. Yeah, five and a half. Okay. Yeah. And like we discussed, my uh, uh, my memory at the time was is that uh, uh, I really do remember that I went into the room and thought that I could just get him to play with me. Yeah. Uh, in the crib, <laughs> and I've explained that I don't remember that was Mike with Mike, and I guess it's because you were too young. Uh, but I knew we played together, and I just thought when Richard came home yeah. that we would just play with him, and that wasn't going to be the case. With three boys running around, craziness filled the house. Well, my first memory, I guess, would be uh, that I can really draw on would have been. Um, my older brother, Ken, having a birthday party. I think he was in first or second grade. We were on hula. And I remember coming out and just completely disrupting it. Just just acting out completely. I was standing in front of the TV with whatever show they wanted to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, who wasn't the, the greatest disciplinarian in the world, 
Mm-hmm. I was trying to calm me down, but no one was having any of it until the point where Ken basically just kind of threw me on the ground and sent me to my room. Okay. So that's that's the very first kind of memory I have. I know my mom said that the first thing that that I that I should remember is she said that uh, my first words were Ken, you be the Batman, and I'll be the Robin. And uh, I've often looked back at that from like when that show was evolved in 1966 that it would have been at least a couple of years before I could even speak. So if that was 1968 and I was born in 63, I think that's a little hard to fathom because I would have been five. Mm-hmm. And surely I had spoken before that time. Yeah. But it was always a good memory and I always try to tell that story to other people. But uh, I, I definitely remember early days in Hula. On so Hula. about how old were you when, when he had that birthday party? I think I was around five. You were five. Okay. I, I remember be, being so young that I had a little service station that could have little Hot Wheels mm-hmm. and just literally being on my knees in my room playing with that over okay. and over again. I don't remember that birthday party, but my first memories, I was probably younger, and I don't know why, than you and yours, but it's of being in a bedroom with Mike and my mom playing with the fan making those noises you, you mm-hmm. make with the fan. Clearly it's daylight. Sun's coming in. Pretty sure we're on Hula. I don't know where else it could be. Uh, so that, and then I confuse the timing, which was first, with the time that I drank uh, like paint Gasoline. thinner. Yes, she Gasoline, did. Gasoline, paint thinner, thinking it was Kool-Aid because mm-hmm. they were building a model and dipping the brush in there and mm-hmm. it was like red or something yeah. and so I thought it was Kool-Aid. Yeah. Who's they? Uh, Ken, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Was Ken was doing it. My, yeah. I think mom had set him up to help him. Uh, that was pure, Rich, that was pure gasoline. There was, there was oh, no thinner. Goodness. You drank and it wasn't like unleaded. It was regular oh. ethyl that you drank. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well. You remember what happened after you did it? I really don't. You don't? No. I oh know that there was a some swift action taken by somebody somewhere, and I don't really know what happened. Man, you got you got sicker and all get out. I mean, okay. you started coughing really bad. It took your breath away. Uh, Mom started freaking out, thinking we need to call an ambulance. Dad was nowhere to be found, so we took you to the commode where you just kind of let it all go. I suggested that we were to give you a Winston and just light it up for you just to see what would happen. But mom was a little, uh, didn't really want to do that. Burn all that gasoline out of me. It, it, it scared us when that happened because, yeah, it looked just like Kool-Aid. That's my fault. And in less than 25 words, we're, we'll just state that I built model cars. Uh-huh. And model cars required glue, the kind of glue that you had to get permission to buy. Oh wow! Uh, okay. And um, and it and it required paint to do them right, and the paint was uh, enamel paint, and the mm-hmm. only thing that would uh, that would allow you to clean your paintbrush was mm-hmm. paint thinner. Yeah. And so by the time I had blue, red, orange, whatever <laughs> paint, and I've got the little Dixie cup, and I'm mixing that in there, it looked like punch. And yeah. He took a drink of it. And so what do you remember of your family at that time? Like, was it pretty normal? Was it uh, yes. what you know to be normal yeah, now? I, I would I would have suspected that it was, was normal. Okay. Um, I think you and I talked a little bit about yeah. the fact that uh, – I can remember that uh, uh, my mom and dad seemed to be normal. Um, uh, 
School was normal. My mom, okay. I can remember times when mom was very participatory Good. in the PTA and in our in my class as a seven and eight year old. Um, uh, I think I also told you that uh, I have a very good memory of uh, of them fighting at one uh-huh. point in time over. Um, it was really the only time that I felt like that there was something wrong, and it okay. was uh, my mom got upset and was crying because my dad had uh, had uh, had been ugly to her, mm-hmm. uh, and I heard him. I don't remember what was said, but I just knew he had been ugly to her about buying something that she should not have bought mm-hmm. that was not necessary uh, when she went to the grocery store. Yeah, and I just remember thinking, "This is not right," mm. and uh, everything obviously went back to normal if you will right but I have a, a real good memory of yeah that. that was that was just not good okay and I remember thinking I didn't need to see that mm, yeah um so you went to school and your mom participated which is and so you remember your mom as um like a normal mom yeah making dinner as some yes and as someone that other moms right thought was was somebody that yeah. was uh, taking care of things wow. you know, that they looked up to. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Um, so what? that was the first indication that something might be bad. Um, did Were there other signs as time went on? You know, I think we talked about that uh, uh, she just seemed to be uh, tired yes. is, is the best phrase I could use. Uh, I know that I just vaguely remember that uh, she was uh, having lots of issues with her teeth. And so there was teeth that were being pulled, and uh, uh, but that she just always seemed to lay on the couch. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know we have video of that. Right. Uh, but it's not the video that I remember. I, I know the couch. I can see her laying there. And even the night that we had our big night at the PTA, she came home and she had to get on that couch. And uh, hindsight, looking back, is it's 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 you can just see mm-hmm. uh, a depression that, yeah. that, that was there. Yeah. yeah. Life for this mom of three boys was hard, but she tried to raise them well. Yeah, I, okay. I started uh, th- at that time. Uh, kindergarten was not a requirement right. for the independent school districts to do. But I, I do remember at five, my mom driving me to like Ferguson and I thirty, right, uh, closer to downtown Dallas, where there was a kindergarten there that she paid for. Oh wow! So that was some of the early education I got. But my first uh, hula experience was uh, Iron Range Elementary. Okay, which was I don't know. We could we you could walk to it. It was probably a mile away. Okay. So you went to Range when we were on hula. Yeah. I started first grade. That was Miss Bats, who was my teacher. And what about you? You didn't go to the private school that he got to. No, have. that was news <laughs> to me. In fact, that's that's. I've been I've been trying to me. keep that from you, yeah, just so that you would feel bad in your old age right now. <laughs> my two distinct memories on hula was in 1969. I know the date only because history tells me it's when it occurred. Mm-hmm. I remember 
when uh, the astronauts were going to walk on the moon. Okay. Uh, Neil Armstrong's first steps and all that. I remember seeing that on a black and white TV being given to us live. And I remember going out to my backyard next to our slide of the swing set mm -hmm. and looking up to see if I could see the lunar capsule up there and right. somehow make him out and see if they're making a safe journey home. You know, uh, that's 50 years ago. I know. Like, it's 50 right years now. ago. That's right. So it, it, that was my first real clear memory and then I think the other thing, which to Richard's point, kind of led to some of the demise of mom and dad as we know them. I can't say I ever remember having a normal life on Hula. Okay. I think there was a couple of times where I can remember us surrounding the kitchen table and maybe mom making a meal. That was the only civilized, really, that, that I can remember of mom and dad. Joy struggled to keep up with the responsibilities of being a mother and a wife. Over the years... Her spirit slowly faded. She eventually became a shell of who she used to be, hiding the pain until it became too much to bear. Uh, I have a, a vivid memory of, of people coming to get her. Mm -hmm. And they came in the door, and I don't want to make this sound too dramatic because we've seen... Uh, television shows and whatnot, but they, they pretty much were orderlies. Mm -hmm. I mean, they weren't necessarily dressed in white with black belts and looked like milkmen, but they were orderlies, you could tell. And um, they sat down with her on the couch, and uh, it didn't take her long mm -hmm. to, to pick up. Now, uh, back up, and I think I do also remember that at one point— uh, I remember going, as we discussed, going to Presbyterian Hospital. Right, right. Uh, where she was, what I've been told and what I try to remember is that she spent several weeks there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't really know to what avail. Mm -hmm. uh, my assumption's always been that uh, uh, money would have been an issue in a mm -hmm. private facility like that. And, again, don't have any idea what kind of interaction her and my dad were having. Right. Uh, our dad was what they were going through. But uh, I just remember that they came to get her to take her to Terrell. Mm -hmm. And when she realized what was taking place, um, she 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 ran out into the mm -hmm. front yard. And they just they had to take her. And my little bit of memory about what was going on at the other hospital, I knew she was going to the hospital. Okay, yeah. okay. And that... Uh, didn't really realize the significance of it, right? But that she was going to have to leave, and and okay. but but I always thought it was going to probably be okay. Okay, yeah. but she came back from that. Um, you know, it, my memory gets pretty vague okay. there, but but yes, uh, I mean, I remember that we visited her quite a lot. Okay, uh, uh, in in Terrell, and when we were at Hula. Uh, and that uh, ultimately, though, yes, uh, she uh, she would be in and out, mm -hmm. and uh, just always uh, easy to say now because I have I can think of it as an adult, but that there was always a struggle there, and uh, uh, it's almost as if she knew she was going to end up going back. Mm. Yeah, I don't think y'all remember her going in and out. You know, I, I do now that we mention it. I, I don't remember them coming to pick her up. I just remember noticing that something wasn't right um, based on some of the arguments. I remember there was a specific Christmas to where Dad was riding a 10-speed bike through through the hallway of Hula, and he, like, cut his almost his toenail off or something. And 
mom was always so worried about everything and, and it was just him doing that and you could always see that at some point mom began to almost clinch at everything mm. um but I, I remember the arguments uh and then i do remember walking home from iron range with the cops being in the front uh driveway okay. And them bringing my dad out with handcuffs behind him. So my mom had called the police that dad was being abusive. Mm-hmm. And the Mesquite police came and got him. I don't think he ever went to jail. I think they drove him around and just talked to him and then brought him back. Okay. But it wasn't long after that when things started getting worse. Okay. And we were... I, don't, I can't say I really remember the other worst things that right. were going on. Mm-hmm. But I can definitely remember uh, that moment when you see your dad walking yeah. around in handcuffs. Was that like shocking? I, I was like, do I turn around? Do I even go home? Well, I, I really didn't know where to go from there. Right. As I'm on the corner, as we could look down the street and see my house. I did the only thing I knew to do, and that was just to keep on coming. Mm-hmm. And Were I, you alone, or did you have I, someone I, I had you? no friends with me. And okay. They had pretty much stopped at their houses that were a little bit closer to the school, so I was making the rest of my journey. Right. And when I got from Bird Street to Hula Street and looked to my left, I saw them bringing Dad out with handcuffs. Did he look at you? He did not look at me. They put him in the back of the car. The cars left, and then I made my way on to in the house. Was your mom there? She was. And was she disheveled or? Yes. And she had told me that, that I, I didn't see the abuse, obviously. Right. Uh, but she had told me that that was what was going on, that she had to call the police. Wow. So. That's uh, a lot for a little boy. And, but, you know, really, when I look at the collateral damage from that, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember a lot about, oh, this is going to lead to this, or what's going to happen next. Right. It was just kind of like there was initial shock. Okay, I remember Dad returning. There seemed to be some, some civilized conversation, mm-hmm. as, as far as I could comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the two biggest moments. Yeah. Moon launch, and then seeing your dad come out in handcuffs. Yeah. That was a hard thing to, to digest. The hula days were coming to an end. Joy returned to the mental hospital again and again, and her family started tearing at the seams. It was traumatizing for her young children to visit her at the hospital, where adults were acting in strange ways. You know, honestly, it could have been because there was a lobby on the second floor where you could sit, and, uh-huh. and, but then there were these two doors that would have yeah, to be right. opened. Yeah. And I, I do recall that door being opened and just seeing bodies laying in the hallway. Yeah. You know, it was like, yeah, I mean, just imagine one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I mean, yeah. it's, it was a... Well, it had its reputation of being, you know, the, the proverbial, we're going to take you to Terrell. Yeah. Was what everyone would tell everybody back in yeah. the day. Mental health treatment was very different in the early 1970s, and Joy was given the common treatments of the day. Her hospitalization fractured her marriage with Kenneth, and later they divorced and moved away from the house on Hula Street. I really have one memory, and it is a picture memory, is all it is, of being in a car knowing that I was leaving Hula, we were leaving Hula, and we weren't going back to Hula. Okay. And we were going to that apartment that we had looked at, uh, and that's as best I could do at the time. I remember having a conversation with my dad that I just didn't quite understand while we were moving to an apartment, 
mm-hmm. when we and I don't I, I knew nothing about mortgages or home right. equity, but it was just like, and apartments were very popular back then, uh-huh. you know. But it was like this is our home, right? And, and it just seemed like it it was obvious to me at ten years old, right, that something. Yeah. Was about to transition. Right. Because it just didn't make sense, even as a 10-year-old, that we were leaving this place where we had these memories and we had a house. And I didn't even understand the concept of owning or renting. Right. But something was just different about the fact that we were moving to this place where we where we didn't know anybody. Right. And we were all just right, right there on top of one another. I thought right. that was odd. At some point... Uh, that's whenever mom went back to Terrell. Okay. And and I can mainly recall this just because we've been told this over mm-hmm. the years, uh, was that uh, uh, when she was in Terrell, and I guess this was would have been, you can probably look that up if you haven't already, sometime in 1971 he filed for divorce mm-hmm. and, yeah. and had custody of, yeah. of, of us. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, uh, I guess that was at the at that point in time. I, you and I have talked about the fact that n- looking back on it, I am it, it, I may be wrong, but it just makes perfect sense that he knew where this was heading. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's why we sold the house. We had to have equity in that house. We had to, and um, uh, whether it was money for this or money for that, mm-hmm. um, or just the fact that they didn't need to have a house whenever. Uh, they got a divorce. Uh, right. Uh, uh, it was just clear that that was part of the overall, I know what's what what I'm going to have to do here. On the next episode of Kava, we will begin following the three sons who watched their parents go separate ways. Mike, Richard, and Ken would go on to experience a childhood full of mysteries, like the blood and the dimes that later stained their porch. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kaval the Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and that you will subscribe, download, and share this on your social media pages and with your family and friends. If you find yourself in a desperate place, it is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you and shared their stories. They have exemplified the meaning of Kaval learning to wait during difficult times to find an eventual positive outcome. I can't express my gratitude for my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I would not be able to do this without you. For more information, please visit kavathepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.